Hello, everyone. It is time to introduce a brand new podcast. We put episode one here on the Hacker Valley Studio platform, but be sure to check it out if you're interested in it. It's all about the metaverse. So what is the metaverse? It's this digital world in which we live. We cover everything from NFTs to NFT art to cryptocurrency and virtual reality. Ron and I took a deep dive into this world, and these are the people that we talk to across our journey. Be sure to check it out. Check out episode one right here. But if you want to follow it, you want to subscribe to it and learn all about the metaverse with us, be sure to drop into the show notes and check it out. Here it is. Welcome to the Metaversable Podcast, chronicling the journey of reaching the metaverse through blockchain, digital art, and virtual reality. Welcome back for the first time. This is the Metaversible podcast where we explore the metaverse with experts and technicians and learn all about the art and the science behind the metaverse. I'm Chris Cochran. I'm your host and I'm joined by my good friend Ron Eddings. Glad to be here. And we're going to get it rolling today. Ron, who do we got with us today? Today, we have a very exciting guest. I want to say welcome back home for the very first time to Jason, also known as Zero X Banana. Welcome to the metaverse, Jason. Ba, 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 ba. Happy to be here. <laughs> Super exciting. Um, glad to be on this show with you guys and like chop it up about NFTs and the metaverse and everything we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. First, for the folks out there that are listening in, what is the metaverse, right? This is the Metaversable podcast. So we're going to be exploring all that stuff. But let's lay the foundation for everybody. What is the metaverse? The metaverse is kind of like the real world, except it's like on the Internet. And it is anything you want it to be. And you can shape it at will, provided that you have the tools to do so. The metaverse isn't something that we typically talk about every day. It's not something that you're going to be dealing with on the internet all the time. But very slowly and surely, we're getting very interesting stuff happening, like virtual reality, where you can really immerse yourself in, in an entirely new world. I've been hearing that you have been tumbling down the rabbit hole of the metaverse for a minute now. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and what it's been like so far? Oh, man, it has been a roller coaster. Um, my portion of the metaverse that I deal with, that I interact with specifically is in the NFT space, non-fungible tokens, and in the art space of that NFT space, creating really, really beautiful pieces of art, fractal art for, for anybody to enjoy, collect, flip, sell, and invest in for the future. You know, when you said that the metaverse is like the real world, but on the internet, I feel like I've been living in the metaverse my whole life. I was raised in the metaverse. And matter of fact, like all of my nephews and nieces were also raised in the metaverse. But like so much is changing right now. Everything is changing. Like we're looking at uh, technology like blockchain and speaking to you about the NFT art that you've got going on. How did you stumble in to NFT and what was that like? It was it was it was the fastest, like steepest roller coaster ride you've ever been on. 
I've been I've been an investor for a few years trying to kind of make my way through the markets and I recently found some found NFTs and my friends were, you know, very interested and you know I I kind of dipped my foot in. I bought myself uh I got myself on a mint and it really changes things as soon as you get one of these profile picture NFTs if you're on Twitter or you're on Discord, you've probably seen some weird stuff happening with people's profiles. So I got myself an NFT. I found myself like part of these communities that are super inviting and super supportive about anything people are doing as you know, long as it's some good stuff um, and you're not, you know, hurting people. People are usually pretty excited. And um, while I was in this space, kind of like exploring as an investor, my friends were talking about art and they were showing me pictures of art. And I said, oh, that's really cool. What do you mean that sold for, you know, hundreds of dollars? I've got cooler art than that. I got some stuff in the chamber y'all would blow face for. <laughs> and, and, you know, they said, they said, you know, put up or shut up. That's what I've seen in the crypto space, put up or shut up. So I shared my art with the Discord I'm in. And the immediate response was, uh, if, you're in the, if you're in the crypto space is when mint. Right. Mm. And, and they were like, what, when are you going to sell this? When are you putting this up for sale? Take my money. Wow. And and like I have made art for years on my own. I had an Instagram ages ago where I was putting up similar stuff that, you know, came to a very mild reception, um, lost in the noise. But here I found myself with investors looking to purchase art from artists. So, you know, I spent the next couple of weeks learning how to do this stuff, setting up um, my minting and per and issuing auctions, right? So my art was sold via auction to, to people who wanted to invest. And it's been about three months now since I've started making and, and selling art and being in the NFT space. And it is, it is life-changing. Um, even if you are not as an artist creating art, just being around these people and feeling the support is something that I have never felt in other communities before. You know, when I first heard about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, I was all in. I was all in from a technology standpoint, and I was also all in from a collector standpoint. My entire life, I've been collecting different things, comics, sports cards, and the like. And when you talk to people out there in the world, you have pretty much an entire spectrum of folks that think about NFTs. Some folks are looking at it as the new art industry, right? This is the new way to do art. This is the new way to make exchanges on the things that you create. But on the other side, people are saying this is like Beanie Babies. This is a fad. This is going to go away once everything kind of dies down. What would you say we are in that spectrum? And what do you think about the future of NFTs? The short answer is yes. Um, I have I have used the Beanie Baby analogy myself. I think it's a good analogy for people who don't need to technically understand the, the, the technical fundamentals of what we're dealing with or necessarily need to understand the underlying market forces. So when you say, you know, there's a project that has a rarity and there's a project that has a limited supply, you know, 10,000, 5,000, what have you, and you compare it to something that is a boomer thing, Right. It's something that like we knew when we were kids 20 years ago, I heard about 20 <laughs> years ago. Right. You're, you're just making analogies for new technologies to, for people who who aren't in the space. Right. So on one hand, I think it's, it's a good analogy. It helps people understand. On the other hand, I think it's it's, it's short. Right. It's not enough. You know, for anyone that doesn't know about the teeny beanie babies, just think when I was a kid. <laughs> 
my parents, they had the opportunity to invest in stock. And I was like, when I came, when I was a little older, I was like, what? You guys didn't buy any stock, anything, not Google, Microsoft, you know, all these big companies were coming up. And I think it's the same for us with the cryptocurrencies, blockchain, and even NFT. Like we don't necessarily understand the value yet because the value is still being realized. And there is something special about owning a piece of art, owning a piece of content and being able to share that and express that in different ways. What do you think is going to be some of the future technologies that we see on top of NFT? I've been hearing a lot of use cases about music, instrumentals, and like even poetry and, and other forms of art. I think any artist who is not currently taking advantage of the opportunity that is in front of them, not just because the market feels really hot for, for content. I think the last two years that we have all been dealing with as a society has put us in a situation where we're very hungry for new content, which I think that's why a lot of these drops have been doing very well. It's people want new stuff. People want to look at new stuff. People want to be involved with new stuff all the time. So there's like really a big need and desire society-wise for content. Um, additionally, what I think most people are missing is um, something that works very well for art that we get with NFTs, which is provenance. I get to say this piece of art was created on this certain day. This piece of art has changed hands X amount of times that I can see because of the blockchain transactions. And more importantly, as an artist who is looking to build a revenue stream for themselves, you get royalties and you get to set your percentages when you create your pieces of art. So any work that gets sold after it leaves my hands, as long as it gets sold within the blockchain ecosystem, I'm going to get a cut automatically. You're going to get a cut forever. you know. So, so the revenue that you can build as an artist, I think, really has an, an amazing upside. And the, the cost of entry right now, at least on Solana, is very, very low. So let's talk about this for a second, because we're about 10 minutes into this thing, and we've talked about NFTs quite a bit. But at its core, for those that have never even heard of NFTs, what is an NFT and how does it add to that exclusivity when it comes to art and other digital media? For sure. So, so NFTs are what are known as non-fungible tokens. To take, a, to take a quick step back, fungible tokens are things like your dollar bill, your, your normal daily currency. I can swap a $20 bill from my wallet to your wallet, and they're effectively the same. Yeah, maybe you can see some differences, but a $20 bill is a $20 bill. Right. Um, so that's not what the use case is for non-fungible tokens. They're really good for doing things like asset management or identification of something, something that says I own something. So you've got like a deed to your house or maybe a title to your car. And that's going to be super unique, right? Like a deed to your a deed to the house is a deed to a specific property in the world. And that's the use case for a non-fungible token. So translating that to something like art, now I can say I have a history of record for this piece of art that lives on the blockchain. Yes, the art may live inside the token in a way where I can only maybe view it on Phantom, on my Phantom wallet or my crypto wallet, or maybe it's literally just that representation of a physical piece of art that I have in my house or an asset that I, I, I truly do own. Um, and there are things, I think they're called dry docks, where people keep art in storage and you know they never even see it. And they're just trading pieces of paper that say they own the art. So this is very similar. Okay, so it's I guess in a in an analogy, 
perspective, this would be if you were to draw the same painting 10 times, you would know exactly which painting one of your customers have. This is the third painting that I drew of this specific you know, set of paintings. Yep. And I would know exactly who had it, when they had it, when they traded it, and you know even how much they traded it for. Ah, but you also always get a royalty. Is that right for all of the use cases here? Or is there like some caveats when it comes to someone trading the art that you've created? The only caveat would be is if the art were traded outside of the ecosystem. So like I send it to you and then you wire me cash another way. Right. If that transaction, that 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 change happens outside of the space, it won't get picked up. But uh, I haven't heard of any of that. I'm sure it happens. But things that usually happen on secondary markets where you buy something from an artist and or you buy something from a project and then you go sell it on, let's say, Digitalizer Magic Eden. Um, those royalties are, are baked in and they get cut right to the artist's creator wallet. So I've even heard of people selling things like gifts, like oh, this gift was so popular back in 2009 and it's selling for tens of thousands of dollars. How do you know which one is the original gift? Could anyone just take a copy of that gift and upload it and say, this is the original? Or how do you get to, to that granularity of saying that this is the original one? I think I think the 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 solution for that really is is what we deal with in the real world where it comes to trust and historic truth or provenance. When something is created on the blockchain, there's a date and timestamp. So I can say this piece of art was put on the chain January 1st, you know, at, at midnight. And then if somebody then says, well, no, I have the original and I am selling the original and I see that it, you know, hit a chain in February or hit some other chain in March, you know, I can go back and I can look at those dates to determine who might be telling the truth. And then also you've got to look at the vendor. Is the vendor who's trying to sell you something reputable, right? Is the person who's selling this the name of the person who's been associated with this thing for years? And I feel that many times memes that are created, um, the creator, the progenitor, or the people even in the meme, right? The subjects who get, who get used in these photos are eventually found out and they gain their notoriety from that. I think there was a sale in the last year of the little girl who's standing in front of a house that's burning down and everybody's yep. like, you know, like good. And I think she just made like a half a million dollars selling selling the rights to that NFT, right? Which is what effectively you're selling. Everybody says right click save as um, and you can have a copy of the Mona Lisa in your house, but that doesn't mean you own the Mona Lisa. Right. Right. I was reading this article, and this article was saying that analysts claim that Solana is the Netflix of crypto, and the the price is going crazy. Like when I first learned about it, it was twelve dollars. Now it's over one hundred dollars, and they're predicting it's going to be in the thousands of dollars. What is Solana exactly, and how does it relate to NFTs? Solana. As far as I understand it, is another blockchain that's competing with things like Ethereum and competing with things like Bitcoin. Um, but the benefits that I have personally seen, and I am not an engineer on Solana, so I may uh, be mistaken on some parts, but what I've seen is faster processing and cheaper processing. So by that, I mean I can buy an NFT on a Solana marketplace and it the transaction fees are going to be negligible in the in the fractions of a penny but if i wanted to buy let's just say the same nft on OpenSea, the ethereum marketplace i'm going to end up spending maybe 
10, 20, 30, $40 in gas fees alone to perform the transaction, which doesn't mean, you know, I'm even going to get the piece of art potentially, right? right. Uh, the transaction may fail and then I'm out 40 bucks. Um, I have not experienced that on Solana, which has um, been, been a driver for me to, to start using it as a, as a chain. One of the things that I enjoy when I discover something new is that exploration into the world. What is the community like for NFTs and Solana? What, what has that been like learning about the characters and the people and the concepts in that world? It feels like what I imagine the internet was in the 90s, where everybody is super supportive and everybody has a crazy name and you know everybody is a moniker right like they've got all these profile photos and many of these people don't use their real names and don't use their identities many cases they've been very successful financially trading you know solana if they bought in when it was a dollar or cheaper which was less than a year ago right many of these people have become very wealthy so they protect their identities um but the space has been the most supportive space that i have ever found on the entire internet and i've been around for a while you bring something to the space and you ask for feedback and the feedback is usually um, actionable and positive and like i might i mentioned earlier in crypto it's put up or shut up um, so things that don't pass the sniff test or things that people dig into that they find problems with are brought to light extremely quickly because as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, the scammers are out there and they're trying to get you. I'm interested, right? I'm sure whoever's listening to this episode is interested in getting into it. What is the path of least resistance to start exploring some of this art that's out there on these marketplaces and how can they get started? What's that least path of resistance? It's gotten pretty easy in the last couple of months. I think uh, if most of your listeners, I'm just going to assume, are US-based, you can buy Solana pretty easily using Coinbase and then pass it over to a browser-based wallet. That's how you would enter the Solana space, but you don't even need to do that, right? Potentially, you can just go look at some of the marketplaces, which um, which we can mention here, like digitalize.market, magiceden.io are the two big ones right now. And even without having any money in the ecosystem, without having a wallet installed, you can go see what's there and go see what's able to be purchased and how much these things cost. You can You can find entry into the space for less than... I would say less than $50 US, um, you know, up to thousands and thousands of dollars for potentially rarer items that confer different types of status. Um, but the easiest thing to do is just to kind of jump in either on social media, search for things like NFT, on TikTok, on Twitter, and you'll find a vibrant community that are uh, willing and, and happy to accept new people all the time and help anybody who's got questions. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because there, there seems to be a bit of magic behind it, is the mythical drop. People get excited about it. Everyone's sitting at their computer waiting for it. Could you explain the experience of waiting for a drop and why is it so important to the community? Drops are super, super cool. And for those that don't know, drops are a lot like what happened in the real world when a company produces a product like, like Nike's, right? You see people camped out waiting for the newest Jordan. And, and drops are very similar. Everybody shares the date. Everybody figures out when it's going to be. And they determine in advance whether or not they want to participate. 
on the day of the drop, the time of the drop, usually the information will get shared in the official Discord of the group. And then it's a mad rush for sales. I mean, if you've seen Black Friday sales, the doors open <laughs> and people rush in. And it's it's very similar. As soon as that link gets dropped, it gets sent out to every Discord that people are in. They're going to tell all their friends, this is where we go. And you load up a website, you connect your wallet, you make sure it looks pretty good. It says, hey, you're going to mint this thing. You're going to buy an NFT and it's going to cost you one or more Solana. You click mint, you cross your fingers and you pray that your mint is going to be successful because you're competing in a race with tens of thousands of other people for a limited quantity, a limited quantity item. Wow. So it goes quickly and you still have the opportunity to buy if someone were to resell that art. Is that it almost reminds me of like the dot com boom, like people would buy domains just to hold on to the domain rather than use the domain or appreciate the domain for its name. Is it the same way with NFT art? Are people trying to quickly flip it or are they more so buying it to hold? And also, what's your stance on it? Do you buy the art to hold for a while or do you just sell it immediately? Yeah, totally. I think I think people are are taking multiple approaches. And I think anybody who who invests or who comes into the space as an investor is going to try multiple strategies. And and to add to that projects, the way projects represent themselves and how they interact with the community can very quickly shape and change the way investors view their asset or people hold their asset. I think in my experience, I have definitely gotten stuff um, just to flip it. I go for a mint and maybe I don't get anything or I get one item and I'm not really interested in the project. I just get rid of it. There's no reason for me to keep an asset that I don't necessarily need, like, or want to look at. On the other side of the coin is buying you know, assets that, that you do like and you do like to look at. And if it goes to zero, maybe you don't really care. So I definitely, as me personally, I like to invest in, in artists whose art I like who do one for one drops where you know they say hey i made 20 pieces that i'm selling this is one of 20 and you know it's stuff that i buy that i like to look at that i keep in my wallet and i in many cases have no intention of selling mm. so we've been talking about it from the consumer perspective but let's talk about the artist for a second let's say there's an artist that's like wow i want to do one of these drops it sounds like something that i want to do and I've seen it done a couple of different ways, right? There are pictures of hippos and monkeys and different animals that have different items and some items are rare. How does an artist do an NFT drop right? What are some of the things that they need to think about and how do they ensure that it goes off without a hitch? Oh, man. Oh, man, we're going to need we're going to need an entire episode on just <laughs> on just on how to do a project right. Give, um, give us a, uh, just a couple caveats. Yeah, the, the things that I think are, separate good projects from bad projects uh, are the the crossing the T's and dotting the I's. If I see things in the art like layering that doesn't match up where let's say an earring is behind a coat or an arm doesn't particularly sit well in, in a sleeve for a jacket, for example, because they generated 10,000 of them, there are going to be a few visual problems if I see things in a website like very simple stuff, in my opinion, like metadata, when you paste a link into Twitter, or you paste a link into Discord, and it will show you information about that website. If I see things like stock text, like created with React app, you know, I'm going to see what are effectively cut corners. 
Mm. Um, so, so, you know, that kind of puts me on a little bit of a defensive, but then I got to take a look at the people behind the project. Is this a one for one? Is this one artist trying to generate, create art, do the engineering portion and do all the marketing and sales? Like that's a, it's a large effort, but I think being very skeptical and looking at the details of the project are what really do separate the good ones from the bad ones because there are lots of people who are just pumping out cash grab scam projects and they get a lot of attention on twitter and it's not hard to scam a lot of people and it's happening more and more so that's why i think you know looking at the details of who's behind it what's behind it how does the art look what is the community like going into their discord and seeing how the developers and moderators of a community interact with their audience is, I think, a huge indicator of, of how a project will perform in the long term. So I'm sure someone's listening and saying, damn, I probably could have gotten into this by just trying to do it and cut corners and learn about blockchain and NFTs really quick. But maybe that's not going to happen. I'm also sure that someone like myself is listening and also looking at the art out there and saying, I think I could also give my hand a shot at some of that. It looks like it's somewhat simple in ways, but now you're talking about the, the NFT art is composed of layers. Describe some of these layers that you're talking about. How does that fit into the NFT exactly? I think, I think if you view NFTs or the people project behind an NFT as a company, I think it kind of makes a little more sense. To succeed as a business, you need things like marketing, you need things like sales, you need channels, you need people to know about your brand and, and stuff like that. So I think for, for, for some people, it can seem very big uh, and insurmountable. But like I've said, the community is very, very beautiful. The community is so supportive, right? So for, for artists who maybe want to showcase their work, right? You, you're a painter, you're a digital artist, you, maybe you had a deviant art back in the day the the space is there to 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 facilitate your onboarding you come into discord and you say hey how do i do this and i mean hop into any discord hop into a project that you've bought into that maybe is your profile photo and you know maybe maybe you're in the piggy soul gang you know maybe you're a thug bird and you know you hop in in these discords and you say hey can somebody help me and you will find people to help you i've hopped into discords just to talk to project leaders to ask them how they've performed things technically because I had a problem and I couldn't get past it on my own. And, you know, somebody, somebody responded. Wow. Like somebody responded and said, here's how, how I can help you tech, check these links out. And, you know, lo and behold, I was able to get past hurdles that were to me insurmountable on my own. This has been an excellent introduction into this metaverse. I'd love to hear a story that stands out in your mind that you've experienced along this journey what is that one story that stands out to you i mean i think i think the one story that stands out for me was probably the first drop of my own art right overcoming the the technical hurdles of how and where and what and producing something that people ultimately liked and purchased, which is the craziest feeling for an artist to, to have people recognize your work and say, I love what you've produced. You know, it's hanging on my wall. One of actually, I believe the first piece, the number one piece in my first collection is hanging in somebody's house. And I think he lives in Norway and he sent me the photo. He's like, I got this printed out on canvas and now it's up in my house. 
<laughs> and if you were to tell me that three months ago that somebody's that my art would be in somebody's house, I, I wouldn't believe you. I'd call you crazy. I'd be like, what do you mean something I produced is on somebody's wall? What a powerful story. Jason, appreciate the time. It was an honor to chop it up with you. For folks that want to keep up to date with you and all the crazy things you're doing in this metaverse, what are the best ways people can keep up? The best way anyone can keep up with me is to reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter is at 0xbanana. Feel free to DM me. Feel free to tag me and stuff. I'm happy to chat. Yes, we will be sure to drop that in the show notes. Highly recommend everyone to check him out and his art. We love it. Can't wait. And we'll see everyone next time. <laughs>